Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back, Chase Thomas podcast. Late on a Wednesday. That means Matt Green, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, is here. Matt, how ready are you to talk about Tom Herman being comfortable being a offensive analyst for the Chicago Bears and showing no interest in returning to the college ranks? That was a that was an obscure place to start this uh, <laughs> this conference championship week coaching mm-hmm. carousel whatever you want to call this uh, week yeah. of college football that's happening. I don't but, think it's uh, a carousel anymore. I, I don't know what to call it. Um, here's an adjective I would call it bad. This is bad for the sport. Is something that I cannot escape. Is the badness that uh, that's a good word for this. Is um, I I'm very doom and gloom uh, as the days have gone on. The more I read. The more Brian Kelly keeps putting his foot in his mouth and seeing how that's all unfolding uh, to see just everything across the board. And just I I don't enjoy any of this. That's what I've decided is it's great content. It's cracking me up to see how this is all unfolding. Um, The transfer portal, which is like a secondary thing, is just preposterous also at the moment because all these guys are leaving and uh, players are like holding uh universities hostages basically because it's like if this coach leaves then we're all leaving so then you're just torpedoing the next coach and like there's all kinds of variables here but like i don't think any of this is good and that's something i cannot escape in all honesty is that like i don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle but it's just not having a governing body not having someone to not having a roger goodell or an adam silver to just work through and figure this stuff out instead of all the commissioners across college football just basically do whatever they want and figure this out on their own um this is one of those big issues where it's just like man i wish there was some kind of governing body that oversaw all this and was just like hey this has to this has to end we're cleaning this up we're cleaning that up because this is insane it's not even the money that these coaches are getting the sport brings in a bunch of money like this is just part of the deal now as the sports tv deals get higher the universities make more money tuition's gone up all this the donors all that they they all have the money um like mel tucker got an extension because the donors stepped up like the story is like the two specific donors up the pie to keep them and they were more serious about michigan state football and they've been a long time so they see him as an upgrade over mike Dint- or mark dentonio so they they ponied up whatever that's all fine i don't really care about that it's yeah, more of like you talk money in sports like everyone's overpaid but you're only worth what someone's willing to pay you correct so that's just like a whole bag of worms you're not even getting into where i'm struggling is how this is all going um the timing the the timing of all of this is just a joke. The college football playoff, like Luke Fickle, if Notre Dame doesn't have to rush to lock up the next signing class because early signing day is right around the corner and Marcus Freeman is such an ace recruiter that you kind of have to lock him in to place to to stay here instead of pursuing Matt Campbell or Luke Fickle because you don't want to blow up this recruiting class that's going to be one of the best uh, Notre Dame's had in a long time. And he's just such a good recruiter and a good defensive mind. And you're not really sure because he's in his mid-30s and all this, that, and the other. Um, I I just, I don't know. Like, Brian, Ke- like, Notre Dame could make the college football playoff with an interim head coach now. Um, what happened if Luke Fickle really wanted this job and then he can't take it because his team's going to be in the playoff? Um, Matt can't, like, it's just, you go up and down the list and the timing of all of it is just, 
awful. And you just see what's happening to these classes. And Malachi Nelson's already flipped. Another five-star running back's flipped. Like, USC is going to clean up relatively quickly. Oklahoma, the next coach there, he's screwed. I I don't know, man. It's just a lot. And it, it keeps evolving uh, faster and faster. And the portal and who's in, who's out is just... I was going through it today. And I was just like, man... There are so many names like next year. It's going to take us, you and I, what, a week and a half just to get a handle on where everybody is in the power five, like where everybody ended up, like the extra COVID year still in effect for everybody because they all got a mulligan year. And so many kids have not used the the first transfer without penalty rule yet. So it's still we're not completely uh, okay on that front. But man, I am I'm tired. Just explaining all of that has worn me out, Matt Green. Yeah, without a doubt. And you obviously said several things there, but what it all comes down to, it's just the calendar is just all out of whack. Yes. Like we we started talking last week, like, you know, Matt Rule being linked to one of these jobs. And then you're like, well, you know, he's not gonna leave a job before the NFL season is over. And then you start thinking about like the signing period and everything and the logistics of an NFL coach ever going to college to be a head coach. And then like that just got me thinking more. It's just like, like you said, like how are you going to be on a college football playoff staff and and take a, a major head coaching job? Like it just it complicates things so much. Like you remember when when Dan Quinn um, was with the Seahawks, like the Falcons could wait till the playoffs were completely yeah. done and then hire their head coach. Like they could wait till the season was over. Like we need some sort of like. Well, to start with the early signing period is what is what messes everything up. So it it completely like it did the exact opposite of what they wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. I think when the rule was put in, like what the whole reason for the early signing period in in my thought was that some dudes are just completely over the recruiting process and they know where they're going to college. Let them go ahead and sign. So if you're doing that, it should be before their senior year. But if you just rush it to December after like right a week after their college, their high school football season ends and the college seasons are ending, like it's just two months before the February signing day. Now, it's just it just accelerated the whole process. So that that's the first thing that I think if, if you just move the signing period, like you can still have that early one because some guys aren't going to be affected if a coach is fired or they just they feel confident their coach won't be fired and they're willing to sign in August. So. To move it back to February signing day, I think is the first the first solution to this because then you also like L- Brian Kelly doesn't have to decide between the life j- job of his lifetime and the current team that he helped build and construct that could potentially be in the college football playoff. Like this should be an absolute red flag to anyone that's a higher up in college football. And like you said. We don't. We have conference commissioners running this sport. We have a committee that's built with what commissioners and athletic directors. We don't have a Roger Goodell. That's what the NCAA is supposed to be, and they just kind of fail every time they try to do anything. They try to pass anything essentially, but the, that, that's what you need. You just need someone to just maybe it's a transfer period. You know, maybe right when January first opens up, there's the transfer portal opens up. Like there's just you can't transfer mid-season and stuff like that. You can't just like, Tion Evans left a week before the season's over. It's just like, what are we doing here? 
Well, and yeah, and I don't even know what the point of that is either. It's like you're not you're not going to go play for another team. Right. Like, are you still enrolled in classes? You're just not going to practice. Like, I don't understand exactly what that even means. So, yeah, it's just the the transfer portal is its own like beast, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like the signing the signing early signing day just like throws just throws everything off. Like they just you just need a direct calendar. Like with you have you have with the NFL, you have you know the the you have the draft and you have the free agent signing period and you have you know just you you just have a a calendar of of the way things are supposed to happen and this is just it's already a crazy enough sport um it it feels like coaches like C and Lincoln Riley go to USC and with this one time transfer por- uh rule now in effect it's just like you can just go ahead and just take the coaches and and take you know a third of the roster with you to another program like that just there's something seems not right about that and that that's one thing on its own there's not a real way to police that you know but if if Lincoln Riley is an awesome guy and just people want to play for him you know there's nothing you can do about all these 2023 prospects that no longer want to go to Oklahoma and now they want to go to USC but with Brian Kelly having coaching a team that's potentially going to be in the college football playoff like I mean, one one unexpected loss happens this week and Notre Dame's in. It's and it might not even be that unexpected. So this should be a red flag for anyone in college football. Like we have a problem. Like we, we were worried about guys sitting out the Sugar Bowl um, uh, last year and the, in recent years in a, in a game that doesn't matter because they're worried about their NFL future. Now you have a head coach leaving a team instead of going to the college football playoff. That's just. That's insane to me. And it sounds like Marcus Freeman is the is going to be the not just the interim coach. It sounds like he's going to be the head coach yes. of Notre Dame. And I just have to wonder, it's so interesting to see how people are reacting to this on Twitter in real time because they like there has been a lot of momentum and there was a lot of pl- current players and former players that were pushing for Freeman. He's only been there for a year. Um, he played at Ohio State. There were some rumors that Ohio State was trying to bring him in as their next DC. Uh, Brian Kelly obviously tried to bring him and Tommy Reese to LSU. Um, but it's like we've seen, he's an unknown still. Like he is an unknown. There is no we have no idea what he is going to be as the head guy running Notre Dame. Um, we uh, we know that he's a good recruiter, but that's not everything. Like he could, I, I just. I think the people who are sure of Marcus Freeman um, and are also more comfortable with Freeman over Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't, I would be nervous. I would be very nervous if I was a Notre Dame fan because, I mean, obviously going back to back with Cincinnati head coaches uh, is kind of funny, but um, this is, this is tough. And also Notre Dame and Oklahoma are in just uncharted waters right now. They never have sitting head coaches leave for another program like they're notre dame they're oklahoma and their coaches left for uh ostensibly greener pastures like it hasn't happened to oklahoma since what 1947 like this is uncharted waters for two top six programs in college football this is and their coaches left and notre dame's coach left with a college football playoff appearance um very much in play and they may have picked their next head coach because the other coach is having to focus on the college football playoff for a while longer. And they can't wait on them because the calendar is so messed up that they can't even really interview him and do their due diligence. So there's there was no due diligence done 
by Jack Swarbuck. Like, they just didn't have time. There's no way. You weren't interviewing and talking with Matt Campbell and uh, Luke Fickle all that seriously. Like, there's just no way. So it feels kind of rushed on that front. Um, I don't like that these teams can just negotiate with other sitting head coaches like this and just pluck them and just... I don't know, man. I I think it starts with, like you said, the calendar, but it is a bad look where even the college football playoff and an opportunity there is not enough to keep these sitting head coaches at bay. And it, I I just, I don't know how you legislate it out with the way the current NCAA is constructed and the way college football is constructed, but it's a bad look. And I, I don't know. I don't like it. No, I hear you there. And you, like you said, this this it is a completely rushed decision by Notre Dame. Like you just know they couldn't have done their due diligence in that time. Like you know they're supposed, to, you know they say their you know athletic departments are supposed to always have a you know have a short list of of mm-hmm. who they would go after. But like the committee chairman essentially said that like they're taking into account if Notre Dame does or doesn't have a coach. You know, so like yeah. you can't tell me that this didn't have an impact on Notre Dame wanting to just raise their hand. Like, Hey, we have a coach. Look, we have, we have a coach. Like he's not even interim. He's, he's long-term. Like, so if we're in the top four, you better, you better put us there. Like it just, it feels like, like you said, just such a rushed move. And like Notre Dame's having to make a long-term move just on the snap of finger when really this should be going into the off season. And, you know, even if you, you fire, a head coach like in the old format like they only had a month taking over in january maybe even less than a month before national signing day now it's just the the entire calendar is just completely thrown off and they're they're gonna have to do something about it and i think this off season is showing showing how big of a problem it really is because i mean you're gonna you're you're just going to lie to these yes. recruits like there's no there's no chance you don't lie to them. Like regardless of who you are, like one of these guys that's on a playoff, that's on one of these staffs in the college football playoff, you can almost guarantee someone is going to get plucked from somebody, you know? And now it's also like Oklahoma because it was trying to get all these defensive recruits. Like if it's like Dan Lanning or somebody, Mm -hmm. he ends up taking another job. Well, think about Oklahoma, all the kids right now who don't ha- they haven't burned the red shirt year yet they could all just go to usc without penalty now and all follow lincoln like mims everybody they could all just go follow him like they yeah. could gut the oklahoma roster right now the way this is set up they could completely gut it yeah and i don't i don't know if you remember uh and Mark i'm also Ritt- let me clarify i'm not shedding any tears for oklahoma and texas for uh anything that's happened as of late <laughs> um based on and i'm not shedding any tears for the the 80 at oklahoma for any uh late backstabbing and uh uh just uh you know reap what you sow type deal uh but anyway continue but you remember mark Richt? i know mark rick talks about like it's like one of the bigger regrets of his career when he took the georgia job mm-hmm. he said he like wasn't he wasn't as focused as he should have been on the national championship, uh, being offensive coordinator at Florida state. And I think, I think Oklahoma beat him like 21 to two or something like yep. that. And that, uh, the Heupel year. Yeah. Josh Heupel. So it's like, that was before the signing period, before the transfer portal got early signing before the transfer portal got so crazy. So it's like, if, if there's, if there's a coach out there that's pulling a Kirby smart and, 
taking a job but doing double duty and you know seeing his team through the playoff and everything like even those guys are there's just you're putting a, such a level of stress on those guys too like it just the the count they need to do something about about the calendar to just college football is already the wild west enough this is just it's kind of outrageous yeah well of the group because a lot's happened since we recorded on sunday night so of lincoln riley uh he goes to usc we have um we have brian kelly obviously going to lsu marcus freeman now stepping in at uh notre dame we have brent pry uh dc at penn state that's been with franklin for a really long time he goes to Virginia tech as the head guy you get um let's see uh kaylin DeBoer coach at fresno but also the longtime fcs big time winner i believe at montana state he goes to washington um washington state promotes from within their dc uh who else anyone else sunny dykes tcu uh sunny cumby goes to louisiana tech and then you have and, uh, texas tech's already turning into a mess because they kept him on joey mcguire kept him on this staff and he's already gone for that rhett lashley miami's oc he goes to smu to fill the sunny dyke spot um i think fiu is still open um dave clausen gets a long-term extension at uh wake forest did you see what he said about kirk herb street this week uh no i didn't he did this whole press conference where kirk apparently just said that like uh the wake forest had six fans something like that and he and dave clausen did like this whole bit on uh the six fans that they allocated tickets for at the the box office or something for i can't i don't remember if it was for the upcoming acc title game or the this past weekend but um yeah he did not take too kindly to the six fan stuff that uh, kirk threw out but to be fair to kirk is a small school in fbs so it can't be can't be that crazy with the number of fans but we love you wake we love you deacon fans too um but yeah like there's all kinds of turnover everywhere oklahoma is still open so that's one big variable left over but of all the movement who intrigues you the most who are you most excited about and who are you uh most pessimistic slash cynical about um did you say napier in florida oh i forgot yes i uh, see that's what um, i'm saying like there's so much and then billy napier yeah um yeah, so I what we when we were talking on the uh, on the LSU job, you know, shoot, that feels like months ago. Yeah, I think you said Franklin, and you kind of sold me on Franklin just because it's like I feel like just a guy who's like a proven head coach. Like you don't you don't have to go try to find the next you know guy try to reinvent the wheel type thing. Just go find a guy who's a proven he, good head coach because LSU. Like no no disrespect to Ed Ordron or Les Miles, but like I don't know how good of a coach either of those guys was. Like obviously Les Miles had a much longer track record, but he would just make some of the most bonehead plays at times. Like the talent at LSU is just so ridiculous. If you just have a good, solid head coach, I feel like the sky's the limit. And I think Brian Kelly, if if I was ranking my coaches in college football as probably, you know, three or four, he's right up there. So this is one of the best coaches in college football, and I think LSU basically that's a slam dunk. Like Lincoln Riley at USC, that's definitely intriguing because like USC has to be sexy, right? Like that's what we talked about. Like you can't just you can't get Clay Helton. You need you can't just go get a good coach. He has to be exciting, and that's exactly what Lincoln Riley is. And you've just seen, especially the last couple of years in the SEC, just the influx of 
talent from the state of California, it seems like every roster has been loaded with multiple contributors from the state of California. Like these guys are not staying out on the West Coast in the Pac-12. Like Oregon's getting some, but like that the talent was going all over the place. There is so much talent in the state of California. Lincoln Riley just immediately makes USC just such a more attractive program. Like if they can start to lock down the state of California, like we've seen USC do in their heyday, like it, it, I mean, it's gonna, that that's honestly, that's what that's going to revive college football on the West coast, to be honest, like not to like make too big of a deal about it, but that's just, that's such a big deal. So I'm really curious to see who Oklahoma gets, but I think LSU and, and USC definitely got two huge hires. Who are you more excited about? Or who do you think wins first? Because I think they both end up winning. Uh, I I don't think... Man, it's hard to say both will end up with the national title. But uh, who do you think... I don't think think it's crazy to think both will win a title. I think... I think... Riley will probably get to a playoff first. Just because it's it's the Pac-12. And I feel like as soon as you... As soon as you have a a good team like you can run through that conference and, yeah. and win and, and get in the playoffs so and there's just you know there's always those brand biases too when it comes to the rankings and the playoffs and everything like as soon as usc is good at all you know everyone usc is back like that's what everyone loves to say miami is back every time they're four and oh and it's like okay let, texas is back you know it's like um i just think lincoln riley we, we know how good of a coach he is and i wonder how much of it's like the whole Ryan Day thing, like starting on third base, thinking you hit a triple. If Lincoln Riley thinks like, you know, I need to go somewhere and and prove that like I can build a program. Like, I wonder if it if that's if that's part of this. I mean, it's probably just all the perks. I don't know if you saw all the perks he was getting on. Oh with no, this I contract. saw them. Yeah. So when people were like, oh, he's scared of the SEC, it's like, I think he just uh, got a really good deal. I uh, think that dude was like, okay, you're buying my home for a signing bonus and all yeah, of a sudden... Like, he buying both of his houses for $500,000 <laughs> over asking price? Like, <laughs> I've never heard anything like that. that was, and they also bought him a $6 million house. So, yep. like, the University of Southern California just just owns two houses in Norman, Oklahoma right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's just, that's crazy to me. Oh, do you know what his two dogs' like, names are, by the way? 7 use of a private jet, apparently. Oh, yeah, his dogs, Boomer and Sooner, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awkward. Could he change, could he change a dog's name? I don't know. Can you? To fight, to fight and on, isn't that what they do? USC, fight on? Can you, uh, that is fight on. Can, uh, can you? It, like Zeus, I mean, you could try it. Do you think Zeus, if you started calling him something different, if you call it, started calling him Jefferson for a couple of weeks, nah, do you think he'd... That, that's absurd. Zeus's uh, original name was actually Bosco. Wait, really? Fun fact for you. What yeah. do you mean his original before, name? Was he adopted? Before, before my uh, Tori and her family took Zeus. He, that's that, that was his name. Wait, how old did, was he? Like less than a year old. Okay. But did he know, did he respond to Bosco? I wonder if he would. And then what was Maddox's name? Um, Maddox was Willy Willy Wonka. That was, was didn't Maddox. he get him as a puppy though? Yeah, but this this people like named the whole litter oh. after, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. So it was like yeah, there was like a Charlie. And, okay. Like, a Willy Wonka and stuff. Yeah. And you went so. with Willy Wonka. All right. That that's what they named him, I guess, because when you're fostering dogs, I guess you gotta you gotta get creative on the names, I guess. 
but you you stayed away from Charlie and Violet and um uh, I'm trying there to think was, of the rest uh, of the names. Yeah, they, there's that other Veruca. I Veruca think was Salt. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the dogs. You know they're doing a remake, or not even a remake, a prequel kind of deal. Of I was it's about called, to say, did they already do a remake? Yeah, it's called Wonka, and it's uh, I think it's Timothy Chalamet, but they're basically going so back and how he, he came, started the chocolate factory. Yeah, and how he found the Oompa Loompas and every like it's a. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be pretty dark. <laughs> oh that's hilarious <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot um but back to what we were saying um i like is there how did any... we even get there i don't even know uh the dogs with lincoln lincoln's okay, dogs but enough, so if you had to pick between okay let's think about this we haven't mentioned napier at all like do you think like if you're a georgia fan right now you're a tennessee fan are you nervous about napier because he's been so selective or are you like well LSU was not interested. Uh, that's where he's from. Like they were not. Scott Woodward did not try. If he wanted Billy Napier, he could have gotten him. They let Florida get him. But everyone speaks highly of Billy Napier. He obviously won a lot at ULL. He has the Nick Saban background. He coached hey, at UL. The use there. Uh, it's ULL forever. Um, <laughs> won't change that. They're not just going to be Louisiana. It's silly to me. I, I refuse to do that. Like you're not you. Like you know, there's. Louisiana Monroe, there's Louisiana Tech, there's no, Louisiana. It's, it's them, it's them flexing on UL Monroe. That's exactly what it is. They're like, we're better than you, but we're now you're UL. not, because guess you what? Just, yeah, you have to specify who you guys are. We're just Louisiana. The I, the the Warhawks are they the Warhawks now or were they Warhawks? I never remember this. Uh, yeah, no, they are the Warhawks now. I think they were like the Indians or something like that. Okay, um, another side tangent, but are you? Are you concerned at all about Florida bringing in Napier? Because I'm just, I'm not, I'm a wait and see, but I I have my doubts. I'm not, see, I'm not like shaking. The, the point you made, I think I've heard a few people say, you know, kind of, it's just kind of this perception that LSU had first dibs at Napier mm. and they didn't want it, right? And it's like, yeah, they didn't want it, but they also went out instead and got one of the best coaches in college football so like they made an absolute like splash hire like billy napier is you know a hot name and one of the next up-and-coming coaches in college football but brian kelly is a proven commodity so it's not like you know billy napier is not as good as brian kelly so he sucks i just think um it's kind of where florida is compared to where lsu is that they can be in a position to actually poach one of the best coaches at one of the best programs in college football right now. And Florida's not necessarily in that position. But with that said, like, I just don't think Florida is going to be as difficult as a rebuild as some people might, because like, obviously Dan Mullen, like this roster needs work because Dan Mullen didn't recruit. Well, he didn't, you know, stock the shelves with four star players, but there's just so much talent to be had in the state of Florida. I just, I think a young coach with some energy that can, you know, start to sell this program, like while Florida state and Miami are down at the same time, like just because like Napier doesn't like terrify me, doesn't mean he's not going to like have Florida competing in the sec East. I would say like two or three years from now. Like, I I just don't think Florida's like a, a long ways away. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Well, what do you what do you also think about Kelly? Do you, are you concerned about the staff because he's not going to get Freeman and Fre- Reese? I think he's going to be able to get 
what whoever he wants. Clearly, by paying Brian Kelly what they paid him, he's going to be able to have uh, just carp launch to go get whoever he sees fit. But the thing about Kelly and LSU, the one thing I'll say, and I do think he'll win a national title there in a couple years. He's 60. Clearly, he made a move. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. The 11-minute meeting he did where he called the meeting the next day at 7 a.m. for these kids. They had to get up at 7 a.m. Or they had to be up at 6 to be at the wherever the meeting was for him to tell them. And the meeting lasts seven minutes. Is that not preposterous? Bonkers. I'd be so pissed if I was an Notre Dame player for what's happened over the last couple of days. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the right way is to go about that, though. Cause not you 11 to, minutes. Because you have to, like, the age of social media and just 24-hour news, like... People just find this information breaks before you can tell everyone you want to tell. So it's like, yeah, it sucks to like do this first thing in the morning. But like, like, what is he really supposed to say? Like, I even felt like that watching that video that leaked. That was like four minutes of him talking. Like, I even felt like that was just kind of blowing smoke. It's like, don't don't tell me about how like magical of an experience <laughs> you had and like greatest years of your life here like just 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 tell me you're you're you got better opportunities somewhere else so you're bouncing like what it, it just felt i don't know i don't know what the i don't know what the right way to go about that is at the same time so it was it definitely seemed awkward there you go um did you have any other news items you wanted to hit before we get into our conference championship pick um no i think that's all i got um well, you want to talk about the rankings, the new playoff rankings? They're pretty much, I mean, it's about what we expected, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, you, I, yeah, go ahead. Like, who do you think has, like, do you think Notre Dame has a shot to be in the top four? <sighs> yes, but this is all weird stuff. I don't want them to now. Like, I just, I'm, I'm going to be so upset if we get this. Like, but then again, then again, the other part of me is like, if they do... It's like we need those like painful, uncomfortable situations so that they have to adjust, you know, or like they need to see it in real time of like, oh, this is insane that we have Notre Dame in the college football playoff with an interim coach um, because their coach left for another job while their team was fighting for a college football playoff spot. Um, maybe we should all get together and fix this because this is not OK. Um, I'm kind of rooting for that because I think you need a little bit of chaos to so change. But I don't know. Chaos is also a ladder. Shout out to Littlefinger. And <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I th- the, the most telling part about the rankings to me was Baylor mm. going to nine. I feel like, you know, this the committee, they can, you know, manipulate these rankings if they want to. You know, make, make someone's win look a little bit better. Like give someone a shot. You know, if they win the next week, they could potentially rise like Florida last year. Like Florida was number five, inexplicably lost to a terrible LSU team at home and dropped to six. It was just like the committee was clearly trying to set up an opportunity for Florida to win the SEC championship and still get in the playoffs somehow. Like with with Notre Dame at six, like you said, well, maybe not interim. Now he's a full time coach, but with a brand new their head coach leaving like. No one wants to put them in the playoff. Ohio State just lost, so you had to put them down some. But to have Ole Miss jump ahead of Baylor and Ohio State still stay ahead of Baylor, it just doesn't feel like Baylor can conceivably jump from nine to four. 
if they beat number five Oklahoma State. Like, but if Baylor was at seven, like just behind Notre Dame, well, they you know Notre Dame didn't play anyone. They beat Oklahoma State. Like, you could justify Baylor jumping up. I'm I'm almost at the point where if we have chaos, like I think the Big Twelve champion should get in regardless of who it is. Like a two loss Baylor should get in over a over one loss Notre Dame or over two loss Bama if they lose the SEC championship. Like, I don't know. I, I, um, because there's so few of these like true play in games, I don't know. It, I thought it was interesting where they put Baylor. Cause I think it, that almost says that they don't have a shot, uh, to be in the playoff if they win. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there's no way Bama gets in if they lose, right? Like even if it's close. Well, see, I don't like if Michigan loses mm-hmm. and Bama loses. Like, who's got a better resume, Bama or Michigan? Like, Michigan beat Ohio State. Who's their next best win? Wisconsin. Um, I'm not really sure. Bama would have just lost to number one Georgia, and that's the number. That's the thing. Bama would just lost number one Georgia, where Michigan would just lost to what thirteen Iowa. Like, that's that's not a good look, but. Neither of those teams should really be in. Like, I feel like at that point it should be Cincinnati. It should be the Big Twelve champion. And I don't even know. I don't know how you keep Notre Dame out at that point. So, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like seeing teams lose their last game and get in the college football playoff. Hmm. But who knows? Hmm. If 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 Bama were to lose to Georgia, thirty-one thirty. You know, it's it's hard to say they're not one of the top four teams. So, I don't know. It's um, it's we're constantly balancing this top four team slash most deserving team. So, I don't know. I think what the interesting thing could be is if that is if Alabama beats Georgia, Michigan wins. Those are three spots right there. If Oklahoma State beats Baylor, I think. I think you could see Oklahoma State jump Cincinnati. I think that's the scenario where Cincinnati could actually be left out. All I want at this point is one Georgia, two Michigan, three Oklahoma State, four Cincy. That's all I want. I want it clean. I want it neat. Yeah. That's what I want. You think three Cincy, three Oklahoma State, four Cincy? Okay, yeah, anyone who is talking themselves into Oklahoma, or Cincy over Oklahoma, based on Oklahoma State's resume versus Cincy and what we've seen and just this sheer dominance in a tougher division, a tougher slate of games, yeah. I don't know how you, you go. Also, it's another tip That's of the cap fair. to Matt Campbell. That's their uh, only loss this year was to Matt Campbell and Iowa State. Um, and that's something I would be just so concerned about if I'm a Notre Dame fan. Like, I don't know. This was that. This is a great job now. And if Freeman flames out just because you went with him because he's a good recruiter, I and a good defensive mind. Like he is a good DC and he has a good track record. But like, I don't know. I would be nervous because Matt Campbell. So the Cyclones have had five consecutive winning seasons in a row. Do you know how many times that happened in the previous twenty six seasons before Matt Campbell got there? Hmm. Uh, how many, what, 10 win seasons? No, or winning, just consecutive winning seasons. Oh, how many consecutive winning seasons? Or how many had? total winning, excuse me. So he has had five consecutive winning seasons, correct? So yeah. he has had five consecutive winning seasons. Before he got there, how many had they, how many winning seasons have they had total in the last 26 seasons? Oh, man. Probably like, probably like five. <laughs> it's exactly right. Five. 
Oh, wow. Like, I think we don't understand just how bad of a job that's typically been forever. And he's turned that around. And 7-5 and five is like a disappointment at Iowa State now. And he still you beat Oklahoma. remember Seneca Wallace, sir? He oh, built that program. Uh, he did. I mean, you don't have to tell me about Seneca Wallace. I've always been a Seneca Wallace <laughs> Big guy. Big Seneca Wallace fan. Um, but no, like the whole thing is like Matt Campbell can coach his tail off. And Luke Fickle is just built a juggernaut at Cincinnati. And they've been head coaches. And we know they're great. And we know they're top 10 elite coaches. We know that. that They are sure things. They go to Notre Dame. They're winning. They are. Yeah, no one, no one gets their first head coaching job at Notre Dame. Like that's just like who, it's who's risky. been their last? Oh shoot, was Charlie Weiss? That was his first head coaching job, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and how did that work out? Um, uh, you almost beat USC one time. Yeah, but um, yeah, push, we'll push. see. Um, I don't know. I would just be nervous if I was a Notre Dame fan. I'm just curious because there are some really confident sure certain people about freeman and i just i would just be very very careful because i i shouldn't even say careful i would just be very nervous that's if i'm a notre dame fan because campbell and fickle i think they both could have gotten and i just i don't know we'll see we'll see uh but maybe campbell or fickle go to oklahoma and then we can see it play out in real time um so conference championship games they're starting on friday matt green um you have this in alphabetical order because you like chronological excuse me chronological order they are kind of in alphabetical though based on what i'm looking right here um but where are we going first you're very good at alphabetical order you have cusa (laughs) and pac 12 for friday and then on saturday you have big 12 first then you have mountain west Sun Belt, enough, SEC. Okay, yeah. It, it did go in there for a while. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, so... Um, Don't attack my reading. Cut, like, so preseason, my... like, as I told you uh, before the show, mm-hmm. uh, was not able to access the file to give you the exact numbers on our um, over-under win totals for the season. But I was doing some tallying, mm. and uh, you did much better Ooh. than me on these over-under win totals. How, However... In so at these Power Five conference championships, mm-hmm. we have ten teams. Mm-hmm. You know, two teams in each in each uh, conference. Would you like to guess how many of these ten teams you got correctly? So we did all of them. We did the MAC two and everything. No, I think we only did the over under on the win totals on the Power Five. Okay, and what was and you're asking me how many I thought were going to be in the conference title game? I'm saying. Of the 10 teams you picked to make the conference title yeah. games in the Power 5 conference, uh-huh. how many of those do you think you got right? Uh, I got Oregon. I got... You did, not, you did not get Oregon. Did I not put Oregon in the Pac-12 title game? You were uh, you were feeling some Washington. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, goodness the, uh, gracious. I know I didn't pick Georgia and Alabama. I know... So you, you, sir, you want to go through it? You can, you can go through it. I'm concerned I got zero. <laughs> you did. You got zero. Oh, my God. If it makes you feel better, we had the exact same picks in the Big 12, Big 10, and ACC. So neither of us got any. We both had Oklahoma, Iowa State. I think you thought Iowa State would have a better regular season record than Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Um, uh, both had Ohio State, Wisconsin. We both had Clemson, North Carolina. Um, but you had Washington USC in the Pac-12. Mm. 
I did have Oregon and the Utah Utes. Did you really? I was I, I was a uh, high on Charlie Brewer. I was thinking <laughs> he was going to help Utah. Completely wrong about that. But um, the Utes have rallied. So I got both in the Pac-12, and then I had Georgia and Alabama and SEC. He's another yet- guy. He went in the portal in like week two. We never saw him again. Like, just what's the point? He just went in the portal and just disappeared for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I don't get it. But um, rallying off or finishing off the SEC, you had Florida and Texas A&M. So mm-hmm. you were uh, you were very you were very good on the over unders. But um, I'll, I'll give you the, those final numbers next week. But okay. um, but yeah, in terms of the conference champion uh, chip appearances, not your uh, not your best work. Well, I mean, what has been our theme all year? What has been our theme? Like you've talked about this on this very podcast all season long. It's just that like this has been the season where when we think we know a team and we think we know how the season's going, it just flips again like every week you just never know which top 10 teams are going down like this was the year of just topsy-turvy play where we're just not sure like there's one elite team that's it and that's how we felt all year long and everything else we're just like who knows yeah that's definitely how it seemed and um you gotta love it this is uh this is why we love college football these last uh these last few years a lot there have been a lot of chalk yeah and um, it's nice to get back to some unpredictability, and I think you gotta you gotta credit some of these, some of the post COVID, uh, like just the back to being 100% capacity in these road stadiums. It's just it's not easy, even if you have better players, to to go on the road in a just a rowdy atmosphere. And you've seen a lot of unpredictable things happening in college football this year. Yeah. All right, man. Well, where are we going on uh, on Friday? So start us off, championship weekend on Friday. We got UTSA coming off a loss uh, in their final game of the season, blowing their undefeated season. But this conference championship is in the Alamo Dome uh, in San Antonio. They're going to play Western Kentucky. And Western Kentucky is a three-point favorite in this one, which I thought was interesting because UTSA won the shootout at Western Kentucky earlier this year. So... I thought it was interesting for them to be favored uh, in this one. That uh, game earlier this year, 52 to 46, 1,234 combined yards in that game. Just just ridiculous offense. Bailey Zappi leading the nation uh, in passing yards, passing touchdowns, 52 touchdowns, nine picks. The Hilltoppers have won seven straight coming into this one. Um. I was surprised to see Western Kentucky favored, but after uh, after crunching the numbers, uh, I also I like the Hilltoppers to win and cover. Whew. Um, hmm. This is something where I've gone back and forth. So UTSA just gets weirdly blown out last week for their undefeated season, going down by the Main Green. Shout out to Seth Luttrell and the the good folks down there. Um, great uniforms, great look. Go Main Green, great name. Great but, uniform. Uh, UTSA, the Roadrunners trailer just got an extension, I believe. Um, but Western Kentucky's favorite because this offense, sir, have you done a, a, a perusing of this passing offense where they don't run the football? They don't do that in Hilltopper country. No, they're throwing that thing. They're spinning it. And what we just saw last week, the, the offense just did everything on, uh, on the Roadrunners. And I, 
I believe in this Western Kentucky team. I think uh, one team's kind of limping down the stretch, and I think Western Kentucky is in a really good place right now. I like Bailey Zapp a lot. Um, this dude, they've already played, um, and they lost to UTSA early this season, I believe. He still threw for 500 yards and five TDs. I I think this is going to be uh, a good game. North Texas had almost 500 yards um, and only had the ball for 23 minutes. And I don't know. I'm a believer in what the Roadrunners have been uh, of late, or yeah, the Hilltoppers of late. So give me Western Kentucky to win and cover. All right. And uh, keeping it moving on Friday night. Big fan of this tradition, by the way. I don't know when it started. Seems like it's been the last 10 years or so. Uh, Pac-12 championship being on Friday night. Yeah. Um, Do you know why? It has to be because they don't, like, it's one of those rare opportunities that they can just get all all eyeballs in the Pac-12 because there's no competition. Yeah. And it's like Saturday night, Big 12 versus, actually, I think that's a noon game, but. Although Saturday night ACC championship or this, I might yeah, that might be toss up. I might rather watch this than the ACC championship. Hmm. But um, hot take for you. I was going to say, well, you don't have control over that because you know who's in the ACC title game. Tori's not letting you switch that remote. She's oh, not. Geez. She's not letting you get away from Sam Hartman. It's not happening. I'm starting to think this is a your obsession with <laughs> Sam Hartman, not the not the females. But um, the Pac-12 championship Friday night we got. Number 10, Oregon. Number mm-hmm. 17, Utah. Utah absolutely beat the brakes off of the Ducks two weeks ago. I um, I feel like I just can't get that out of my head. Like, this is in uh, Las Vegas, so nice neutral site here. But, um, like, we saw, like, a few years ago, like, Auburn, you know, just, you know, beat Georgia handedly. Uh, like a couple weeks before the SEC championship and Georgia come out back and blow out Auburn in the, in the SEC championship. So we know, you know, that doesn't mean Oregon just has no chance to be Utah, but I don't know. It's just something the way this, this Utah team is built. I feel like they're built to stop the run. And um, uh, I don't know. I just, I think they're going to, they're going to get a, another win over, over the Ducks. So give me Utah to win the PAC 12 win and cover. Everything went wrong in that in that game um, a couple weeks ago, but they figured some stuff out against the Beavers. Five hundred six yards total. Um, Brown looked a lot better. Travis Dye looked better. Uh, I think they have rebounded a little bit. I don't see Mario Cristobal in this group losing to Utah twice in the same year. Uh, Utah two and a half. The total for this one's a little high, fifty nine and a half. I I would stay away from that. I don't think these teams are going to score a combined sixty points in this one. But then again, they did score uh, combined forty five in the first one. Uh, but I don't. Um, I don't know. I, I I just go back and forth on this. But I just. I don't think or or uh, Cam Rising in this group uh, with Pledger and Thomas are going to be able to run all over Oregon's defense like they did previously. I think Oregon gets that cleaned up, and I think this is a closer game. So give me Oregon to actually win outright here. But it looks like they won't have their offensive coordinator. Joe Moorhead is the favorite to get the Akron job. So I don't know when that starts and when he could be moving on so that's surely he's gonna too. stick it out for the pac 12 championship right well, i mean I you mean, gotta get in there you gotta hey hey you ready for this you gotta you gotta zip on over to uh to Ohio. oh man 
That was terrible. <laughs> You're better than that. Um, with that said, <laughs> let's smoothly segue over to Saturday. Um, let's go to Big 12 Championship. I'm a, a little confused by this one because I felt like Big Noon Saturdays, that's been Big 10 stuff. I know they've done some Big 12 stuff with the Big Noon, but Big Noon feels like Big 10 so I felt like the Big Ten Championship should have been on at noon, but that's not important right now. Mm. At noon, we're going Oklahoma State-Baylor. I would like to say the winner of this is going to the playoff. I don't know if that's the case. Um, so when these two teams played earlier this season, Spencer Sanders threw three picks. So Oklahoma State had 400 yards to 280 yards for Baylor. And they had three turnovers, no picks. They had 24 first downs and ten, just 10 first downs for, for Baylor. So they basically dominated this game and only won 24. Or they basic, and then just the turnovers and everything, and they still won 24 to 10. So that was at home. Um, I think these are the two best defenses in the in the Big 12. Um but I just look at this Oklahoma State defense and just what they're able to do going, getting after the passer. And just because of how that game went the first time these two teams played, it, like, it seems like Oklahoma State's capable of playing like much better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Oklahoma State to win, but I'm going to take Baylor against the spread to keep it close. That's five and a half points, by the way. Those first two spreads were three. I don't know if I said that. Utah was a three-point favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, uh, Oklahoma State's a a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. So you're taking Baylor to not win, but you're you're taking them to cover. Yes, Baylor against the spread, but Oklahoma State to win the game. Um, Bohannon's uh, banged up. He might not play in this one. That's something to monitor here. Um, he was like a walkthrough, not uh, doing any kind of serious stuff this week, it seems like. Uh, would you like to know the amount of times that Oklahoma State has played the same team twice in a season? Ever. Oh, ever. Um, is this the first Big 12 championship they've made? Yes. So is that zero? Uh, one. So this comes to us from the Oklahoman, who great work here from Scott Wright on this. So back in September of 1908, Oklahoma Agriculture <laughs> and Mechanical College lost to Central State Norman School 8-5 to in the first football game of the season. Then in November, Oklahoma A&M defeated Central State 17-0 in the final game of the season. So Oklahoma State 1-0 and in uh, seasons where they've played the same team twice. So... There's just too much riding on this one. Baylor's banged up. Um, it looks like Dave Aranda's sticking around, which is good news for Baylor. But this is it, man. This is the magical year of Mike Gundy. This is it. Don't blow this. You win. You're in. I, I just, it's going to break my heart if Oklahoma State doesn't do this. I am going to be cheering hardcore for the Cowboys in this one. Go Cowboys. They've had an unbelievable year. Um, give me the the Cowboys to win and cover here. Yeah, I agree with all that. I um, I also would pose the question, mm-hmm. if Mike Gundy wins this game, does he get a statue built? <laughs> well, we saw how that worked in, t- in Dallas. Maybe not while he's still there. Right. But getting Oklahoma State to a college football playoff. Yeah. And he's like, like I feel like that's going to buy him 
honestly, like the rest of his career. Like that's mm-hmm. going to re- buy him like retiring on his own terms. Like he might be Oklahoma State's coach for like another 20 years at this point. Like I think uh, this is just this is huge for his legacy. I think this is the this is the chance to do it. I think in the future with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, like the perception of the Big 12 might not always be what it currently is. I think this is a golden opportunity and he definitely needs to uh, to snatch it. Um, but both of us were Oklahoma State in this one. So uh, keeping it moving to the MAC, we got Northern Illinois and Kent State. Kent State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I got some stats for you on this one, man. I'm ready. Kent State is the only team in the MAC East that finished with a winning record. Huh. Seven and five. They're in the conference championship. Wait, hold on. I thought Northern Illinois was in the East. Uh, Northern Illinois, I would think, has to be in the No, West. I don't think they have to be. I, I could have sworn they're in the same one. Oh, well, now you're throwing me off. I was doing some research. <laughs> now you're making me question all this research I was doing. Yeah, Northern Illinois is in the West. Um, okay. Kent State, yeah, seven and five. D- never question me, sir. Okay. Um... I'll save the question to the fact, ACC Coastal so and Atlantic conversation. The West is loaded. Mm-hmm. The worst team in the West went six and six. Two teams went eight and four. Three at seven and five. Both of these teams have a negative point differential on the season, and they are both somehow in the conference championship. So these are some fun facts for you. Um, with all that said, I think Northern Illinois getting through the gauntlet that is the MAC West. Yeah. I um I like them to win and cover. Everyone is a everyone except for one is above five hundred in the Mac West. That's bonkers. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you, man. It's gauntlet over there. <laughs> it really is. Uh, poor Western Michigan down there at seven and five, and they're last in the Mac West. That's bonkers. Um, I here's the thing. I can't forget Jordan Lynch. If you know me at all, Matt Green, you know I remember the 2013 Orange Bowl with Northern Illinois, the Huskies. Who could forget uh, how mad America was at their inclusion in a, in a BCS Bowl game? Um, give me, give me the Huskies here. Give me them to win outright. I love. Give me, give me the Huskies. You, you can't do Jordan it. Lynch guy, big, uh, big Garrett Wolf. Oh, who could forget Garrett Wolf? Who could forget an I iconic season? NCAA. I remember on NCAA years ago, like whenever, whenever you'd go into like the dynasty mode, mm. like go years into it, Michael Turner would always end up being <laughs> like one of the Heisman winners because I guess he's just at Northern Illinois racking up like two thousand yards. I just remember he'd always put up huge numbers on the game. He also had um, one of the all-time great Falcon seasons of all time. He is the oh, one of the most underrated, uh, like underappreciated Falcons of my lifetime. The burner, man. I um, I was still a low-key Falcons fan at that point in my life um, when the burner was there. But um, so you took Northern Illinois as well, right? Yes, to win and cover. Okay, and keeping it moving into the Mountain West, my San Diego State Aztecs mm. hosting the Utah State Aggies. This one is in, uh, oh man, I forget. What 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 city is this being played in? Do you know what what city this is played in? It's like where the L.A. Galaxy play, and this is where San Diego oh. State is currently playing. It is in. Wait, why is San Diego State playing in L.A.? So they it's not in L.A. I just had the city a second ago. Hmm. I'll come I'll come back to that. It started with a C. But um, I'm oh guessing... Carson City. 
Yeah, it's in Carson, Carson, yeah. California. Mm. Yeah, so that's where this game is played. Uh, San Diego State's getting a new a new stadium mm-hmm. uh, built. We talked about that last week. We're, right. Uh, Qualcomm and everything. Yes. So I think they're building like a brand new stadium okay. on top of where that used to be. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so they're hosting this game. Good for game. the Aztecs. Say that again? Good for the Aztecs. They earned it. Yeah, without a doubt. Double digit win season. Yeah, seriously. So... You know, I've been on the Aztecs. You have. Oh, you're a big Brady Hoke guy. You loved uh, Rocky. What was it? Rocky Long? Yeah, sure. That. <laughs> um, but you don't just go into Dignity Health Sports Park mm-hmm. and knock off the Aztecs. So give me San Diego State. They'll be locked. They'll be um, They'll be playing their home games here next year as well. 2022. is. The, oh, no. 2022 is next year. So they'll have the new stadium next year. Okay, good. Um. No, I, uh, man, that's sad to think about. There's just no more home college football games anymore. They're just gone. Um, but that's one of the cool things about the playoff, right? Is that the first round looks like there'll be home playoff games. Um, we didn't even talk about the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, <laughs> there's so much to talk about, Matt. There's we'll so much to get to, into it. Um, it's funny to me that, so Utah State got in, there was some weirdness. We talked about the weirdness in the MAC, but there was weirdness here. We talked about in the pod last week with Boise and how everything would have to unfold for Boise or Utah State. I forget who else was in the thick of things on that side of the, the conference, but um, it's just yeah, funny. Air Force. Air, Air Force, Force and Utah State ended up being in the tie, but Utah State beat them head to head. Man, Air Force would have been a better game, I think. Uh, Utah State though their head coach you know who it is who's do you know who Utah, Utah State's State coach is? um shoot who is their head coach Blake Anderson who left Arkansas State and then they had Gary Anderson for a oh, long time oh yeah Blake Anderson with the wife that died yes. of, like cancer or whatever mm-hmm. right and didn't yeah, Georgia do but, something really awesome for that yeah they did like a pink out or yeah. something like the student section like breast mm-hmm. cancer stuff yeah so he turned this program around because it was in bad, bad shape uh, when he uh, when he came in there a little bit. So I don't know. Utah State's just weird. They have the Jordan Love pop up every now and then, but I uh, I don't know. Give me give me the Aztecs here too. I don't think Utah State's very good, and I think they're the worst of those three that could have been in this game between Boise, Air Force, and Utah State. Kind of a bummer that they got in. Sorry, Aggies. But they got your boy uh, Carson Strong, right? No, Carson. Oh, how dare you? That's Carson Nevada. Strong is a Nevada Wolfpack, Nevada, sir. Utah State. They look the exact same to me. Um, <laughs> There's yeah, silver right. and navy blue. You're thinking of, like, hold on. You're There's right. Yeah, come on. Put some respect on the fighting Jay Norvells. That's, that's, uh, that's Carson my Carson Strong bad. might be the number one overall pick in the draft next year, sir. That's a, that's a bold bold prediction right there. He's going to show Force out. Began, Air Force San Diego State would have been one of those games you love as like a sports writer. Mm-hmm. That like game's going to be over in like two and a half hours. <laughs> like just run the ball every single play. <laughs> right. Um. So both locked in on San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Put them on the board. Aztecs. They're the class of the Mountain West right now. Um. Going to the fun belt, as they call it. Um. This one is also a home game for the Ragin' Cajuns uh, versus Appalachian State. And App State is a three-point home or road favorite over the Ragin' Cajuns. Make that make sense to me, sir. I don't understand that either. Was that before or after Napier left? I mean, I guess the Napier thing could have something to do with it. But, I mean, that's just, you know, looking up the ESPN scoreboard and seeing the spread they have listed pretty much. So... 
don't know exactly when how up to date this spread is, but I thought that was interesting. Napier is still coaching through the conference championship. Oh, is though. he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. But weird. I, Why? I mean, I respect it. It's just one more week, right? It's like I mean, these weeks matter. They do, but I think they're I think it says something about your character. Like yeah. it's, there's something you can say to parents in living rooms that you you stuck it out with your team or whatever so i think i think there's something to that like you don't have to stick around for the bowl but i think the conference championship that's not that's not the postseason yet even though it is the postseason it's still like the season i don't know if that well makes- it's been three straight times they've been three straight or they've been in the position last year got canceled so they probably would have won it last year but the previous two they they lost even though he's been 39 12 so napier still yet to win the sun belt um i don't know they were undefeated in conference play florida yeah with no conference championships (laughs) (laughs) sean clark though uh doing a really good job at app state they've won six straight in their season um this is tough. I think this is going to be a shootout. I think this is going to be a lot of fun going both ways, but I think I'm going to stick to my gut now that Napier staying gets his his he gets to ride off into the sunset with uh with a victory here. So give me uh Louisiana to win outright. My thoughts exactly, sir. When when one for the Nate. Like if you're a Florida fan, you're nervous if he loses this, right? You're like, "Oh god. <laughs> oh no." <laughs> Maybe, but it's also you could be like, well, he would he wouldn't even really focus. Yeah, on that's that. true. Focus. You can spin it. Job. Fans, our fan brain is just so dumb. It's we spin it however we want. Of some amazing gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, and now the big one. Uh, going to the SEC. Michigan, Iowa. Okay. We got number one Georgia, number three Alabama. Georgia is a six and a half point favorite. First time Alabama has been an underdog since 2015. Man. In Athens against Georgia, against Grayson Lambert, for some reason, after Alabama lost to Ole Miss, people thought the Alabama dynasty was over, and that was not true at all, and Alabama actually destroyed Georgia that day. Um, And potentially Mark Rick's tenure at at Georgia. But this is a different story now. Um, Georgia comes in, they've just been the most dominant team in college football. It seems like they've been immune to the to the chaos that's happened to just about everyone else in college football this year. But this just this Alabama hurdle that stands in front of them, right? Like even though Alabama doesn't appear to be as good as they are most years, it's still just this, this thing that's this monkey that's on Kirby smart and Georgia's back in the four games uh, against uh, combined against like opponents this year. Are you aware of what Georgia and Alabama have done? Mm. Much different performances against Florida, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Auburn. Yeah. Uh, four combined, four like opponents. Georgia outscored those teams 146 to 34. Alabama outscored those teams 149 to 110. Uh, average victory of 9.8 points a game. Georgia was beating those teams by 28 points a game. And I know this isn't the, the transitive property doesn't always apply to uh, football, but I feel like I just feel like that's really telling on just kind of just how Georgia's approached every game. They've just been so dominant, and this we've ta- I've talked about multiple times how when Georgia faces a one-dimensional offense, it seems like Kirby Smart's defense is just 
if you're one dimensional, you, he just he just puts the shackles on teams like that. Like, you know, most of the most of those teams we talked about were more run heavy teams or they have the quarterback that was a running quarterback that was questionable through the air. Like Bryce Young is not that Bryce Young is a dynamic quarterback, but Alabama's inability to run and keep Georgia's defense honest, I think is going to be the most telling thing or on the, on the other flip side of that, if Alabama is able to, the only way Alabama is able to beat Georgia is if they're able to consistently run. This is the worst Alabama run offense in terms of yards per carry since 2007 Saban's first year they averaged four yards a carry that's where they are right now 4.0 yards per carry worse since his first year and this Georgia uh, rush defense has just been absurd so if Georgia is able to shut down the run with you know three or four guys and be able to drop guys into coverage like I just don't see how Alabama can can win in in that scenario I mean, this is it. I I've been telling you this all year, Matt Green. Like Tennessee put put a lot on this team. Auburn just put a lot on this team. Arkansas put pressure on this team. Texas A&M beat this team. Um, they hung with LSU. Florida gave them a strong game early this year. Like this Alabama team is just it. It's just not the same. But we can't discount the Will Anderson revenge game. We we cannot discount just how important this game is going to be for for Bama's pass rusher, their their leader of the defense, because he is a Georgia kid, grew up right outside of Athens, and uh, Kirby didn't know what to do with him, so they didn't offer, they didn't uh, they didn't pursue him because they didn't know if he was going to be a four technique guy or a edge rusher. And uh, Nick Saban's like, "We got this. We'll take care of this." And Will Anderson now star, um, just another huge swing and a miss on the recruiting front for, for Kirby Smart. <laughs> and it's funny, you know how fans love to talk about the Bama bump in recruiting mm-hmm. and like it's, oh, Bama just gets preferential treatment. He was one of those that was like the 200th ranked player when he committed to Alabama. And by the end of the the cycle, he was like the 15th ranked player in the country. And this guy's just been a baller from day one. So it's like... Relax with the Bama bump. Maybe there's a reason they bump. Once once Nick Saban thinks they're good enough, it's like, well, you know, that maybe this guy's better than we thought. Maybe. Maybe. Um, George Pickens, I'm assuming he's all systems go for this one. I mean, it's hard to think he's a uh, you know hundred percent or anything. But, but he's yeah, getting a lot of snaps. Him, yeah, after seeing him against Georgia Tech, you know, finally catch a pass. I mean, he was probably in on the second, third, fourth offensive snap of the game. So he was in very early. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would, you, you'd have to think he's a, he's a part of the offense. And that's the thing about George. I think um, you talked about Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. I think Alabama's defense, I think, is definitely being a little undersold right now. Like, they averaged, like, I think, what, like 19 points a game allowed or something this year. Like, Georgia, I think, has 40, 41, 42 sacks on the season. Alabama has like two or three more sacks than Georgia on the season. The only thing is Alabama's 109th in the country in sacks allowed. They've allowed 35 sacks this year. Georgia's only allowed eight sacks, which only Army has allowed fewer sacks on like <laughs> they never 200 less yeah. pass attempts. Yeah. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference. Georgia's tight ends, I think, are going to be the X factor in this game. Not only Brock Bowers just being a, a matchup nightmare, and same with Darnell Washington, but these guys' ability to block, to be able to chip Will Anderson or something like that, and just be able to block and be uh, receiving threats, I just think it's going to open up so many 
uh, options for this for this Georgia offense. I think Georgia's running game isn't hasn't been like great, but it's been solid. And I just think there's still things we haven't seen from this offense because we ha- they haven't had to do it. They've been up two, three, four touchdowns in the third quarter. I think they've averaged like two pass attempts a game in the fourth quarter. So it's hard to know exactly what this offense is capable of. It's I feel like this is presented as such a heavyweight matchup between this great Alabama defense versus this great Georgia or this great Alabama offense versus this great Georgia defense. But Alabama's averaging 42 points a game. Georgia's averaging 41 points a game. Like this Georgia offense has been very good and their foot hasn't even been on the gas for four quarters one time this season. I mean, I guess Clemson would be the only game that they've actually played a four quarter game and the offense didn't score a touchdown in that game. So it's um it's gonna be interesting. I I I know I you hear a lot of people talking about the stats and the numbers, like Georgia's gonna dominate Alabama. I just don't really see Alabama like, like Georgia might be the better team, but I just don't see anyone really dominating Alabama. Like you should dominate them though. That's what I'm saying. What we've seen from this Georgia team, you should dominate. Like covering this should be no problem. This should not be like a covering this isn't dominating. I mean, winning by seven points. Well, that's no, I'm not saying dom- you should win by 20. Like, I think this is something where I'm predicting and I'm just going to go ahead and give my pick. Like I'm saying Georgia 45 Bama 20. Um, that is what this game should be. Georgia should blow out this version of Alabama. Um, the just Bama's banged up like their offensive line's not great the right tackle spots really weak I think they're gonna be able to get a bunch of pressure on Bryce Young who had a really rough day against Auburn's defensive line last week um Georgia's a little bit better is what I'll say uh they're banged up at the running back position how much of a how big of an impact do you think that Auburn game is having on your perception of Alabama no I mean not a lot like Arkansas was playing with them I watched Tennessee take them to the woodshed for three quarters I watched take them to the woodshed they played with them for three quarters the tempo was there like Bama was frazzled for three quarters and we did a lot of stuff at Bryce Young does not scramble just like every other quarterback scrambled out of uh issues this this year to keep drives alive but like all i'm saying is this alabama team is extremely beatable it bryce young is covering up a lot of offensive flaws from bill o'brien's group um i don't think they have like they have skill talent at wide receiver but i think part of that too is jameson williams getting ejected for targeting in the first quarter probably changed a lot of how that auburn game was going to go but his i'm interested to see how that works how georgia uh plans for jameson williams because i think he's just a future superstar but in terms of the guys right now like slade bolden and uh they don't have the talent tied in like they usually do they're not as strong on the offensive line they're not as strong at running back like trey sand trey sanders might get the most amount of carries in this one i don't know man like i if they win this bryce young's your heisman like that is the thing is if they win it's because bryce young just went ape you know what in this game and just dodged everything dodged jordan davis wyatt carter everything ran around found uh holes in the scheme like found just guys just sitting breaking off their routes and running under stuff um i don't know i i just i think i think about the ways that alabama can win and i think it's going to be extremely difficult for them to do so i i think georgia should blow them out and 
Jordan loses this, you have to do some soul searching about Kirby. Like you have to do some soul searching about the program. You have to do some soul searching about what we're doing here. I mean, you'll still be in the college football playoff and maybe that can right its wrongs. But man, if you're not going to beat this version of Alabama with Brian Kelly coming and just how loaded the SEC West is going forward, I don't know, man. I, I just this it, this means so much to Kirby now. This uh, the amount of pressure on Georgia to not only win here, but just blow them out. I think is is high because this Georgia team is so good and has been so dominant all season long. They cannot lay an egg in this one. They just can't. I don't know what yeah, that does I mean, to the psyche of I this don't team. Think there's I don't think there's any pressure for them to blow them out, but there's definitely the pressure to just get over this Alabama hump. But but yeah, like even if you lose this game and get to the playoff, there's still. That's but I mean, really, how are you feeling? Like, if you lose this game, how are you? Do, are you even like thinking about the playoff? Like, I'm concerned to record with you on Sunday if you lose this game. No, I mean, of course you're going to be super disappointed. And if and if Georgia were to lose to Alabama in the SEC championship and make the national championship and lose to Alabama in the national championship, oh god, like yeah, that would be an absolute nightmare scenario for a Georgia fan. You fire but, Kirby at that point. Like, that's just fine. Exactly, you're cleaning like, house. Exactly. I was waiting for you to get to that point. You're not firing Kirby. You're not doing anything like that. If you lose to Alabama yeah. twice... Yeah, you lost to the national champion No, you get rid twice. of him. Like, so the demons are never getting resolved. You clean house. Season. Like, I'm getting the bad juju it's out of super, here. Yeah. It's super... It would be super frustrating. Get and Matt Campbell a, and we're starting over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it would be super frustrating, but you're not, you're not just going to clean house or anything. That's what I'm doing. As it would... It would definitely Give me a make Josh Heupel. twenty. It would completely erase the not eight nine consecutive weeks that yes. Georgia has been the number one team in the country. Which I think it was a a record, by the way. The first team to get all get every unanimous uh, number one vote eight weeks in a row. So it's just ridiculous how cut clear cut Georgia has been the number one team in the country this year. So yeah, you're definitely right. The pressure's on Georgia to get it done. I'm thinking, especially with how last season's game went against Alabama, like these teams went, you know, I would just throw that out the window. I don't want to do that. I don't think you can compare them like that. Mac Jones and that offensive assault and just Steve. No, no, yeah, but that's what I'm getting at. Like everything's different. Stetson Bennett, that was his like second, third career start. Right, and he was awful, but that was a different Stetson in Bennett. In Tuscaloosa, exactly. And so this is a much worse, I mean, not much worse, but they're not nearly as good as they uh, as they were last year. And this looks like a much better Georgia team. So I'm thinking not nearly as high of a score. I'm thinking more of like a 31-17 or like a 31-20 kind of win for okay. Georgia. Um, and keeping it moving. Uh, I hope they don't get the, over the 17 point threshold. I, I want Tennessee to, to own that for the, the remainder of the season. Hey, I don't, I don't want them to score. I, I think <laughs> if I think that's what it would take for this defense, because people have like given this defense credit, but no one's like thinks this Georgia team's like an all time great team or anything. Because it's the Stetson thing. Kind of, all it is is Stetson. If it, it was JT Daniels is. all year, I think they would consider them an all time great team. I really do. I 100% agree with that. I think if Stets, if JT Daniels has been the starter all year and he had 21 touchdowns and five picks, yes. just like Stetson does, I think people would, you know, they'd be all about this. This team. I would agree. But, I would, it, they would say also, this is this year's LSU and uh, Alabama last year. That's what they would say. I would agree. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's fair to question the offenses that Georgia's faced this year. But if they come out and do something like 31-0 to zero against Alabama and then shut someone out in the playoff, like... 
that's what it would take to be like, okay, this was like an actual all-time great team. And we'll see. We'll see what uh what this defense is able to do. I, I Especially if Brian Robinson isn't healthy. I don't know. He's not healthy. I don't know how Alabama will yeah. be able to run the ball on, on Georgia. And they they benched their right tackle and center last week. Yeah. Like you're benching offensive linemen. I don't know how you expected block Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker. It's just it's uh it should be uh it should be a great game. Last thing uh, but, and then we can move on. Last thing, give me a prediction. Do we see Stetson and JT in this game? Um I would I mean, do, does JT Daniels get one snap in this game? May they run a trick play? No, know. do they do? Maybe is they there a, a not, like not a trick play, nothing like that? Like benched, he gets in. Do you think it, there is a benching situation at any point in this game? If I'm predicting Georgia to win, I don't think uh, the quarterback's going to get benched. Well, I mean, they could have a, he could have a bad first half and they flip in the second half, go full two of there. Um, no, it's possible, but um, I, I don't think so. Just okay. because I saw how Zach Calzada played against this Alabama defense. <laughs> like, hold on, we went to Zach Calzada, and not Hendon Hooker. But Hendon Hooker's a good quarterback. That's like, true. top ten so people forget Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker on Georgia. Hendon Hooker's better than Setson Bennett. So like, oh, Georgia would be, I like this. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are better than Setson Bennett. He's just he's been very Where was solid. This energy for, weeks ago. <laughs> But it's, I don't think Setson Bennett's – people don't think JT Daniels – or they don't think Setson Bennett's better than JT Daniels. Like, right. I, I put a poll up on the Georgia message board a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, no. <laughs> asking who they thought should be like the starting quarterback for the SC championship. And it was like 52% or something st- said Stetson Bennett. It was oh, like, I'm surprised. I would have thought more. Like I don't know any Georgia fans. But it, was like, it was like 500 votes or something too. It was like a solid sample size. Mm-hmm. I'm like – I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. Uh, like, I'm not saying Stetson Bennett should be a Heisman candidate or anything, but um, it's crazy to not appreciate, like, how good he's actually been. And just what the dynamic he brings to his legs, too. Like, I'm not saying um, – it's just what what gets lost in the JT Daniels-Stetson Bennett conversation to me is that, like, when did JT Daniels become, like, this proven first-round quarterback? You know mm. what I mean? Like, he's – I thought his potential was – very high you know in georgia's offense but he's like a jamie newman type potential it's like oh i could be this good i guess i'm this good i don't even need to prove it anymore it's like well no there was a potential that he was going to be that good but he still never actually proved that he was like this elite first round quarterback so jt daniels is a good player but um sets and bennett definitely deserves credit for what he's done but um with that said We'll move to the AAC. Cincinnati, their their last big test. Can they get in the playoff? The Cougs. The Cougs are basically the second best team in the AAC, like in just about everything, it, it feels like. You just go down the list, and Cincinnati's the best, and Houston's second best. Um, they've got 11 straight wins since losing the season opener to Texas Tech. 11 straight wins for the Cougs. I see this being a close game. I'm going to take Cincinnati, but I don't think they cover the 10.5 point spread. So give me Cincinnati, but Houston against the spread. Man, that's what I'm doing too. That's what you're doing? Yeah. 10.5 is way too many points, but clearly Vegas knows something about Cincinnati, Houston that we do not. Um, I don't know. I I think they have to. Like, this is such a huge game for them just to get in. And if they get in, like, we're sure if they get in, they're they're in the playoff, right? 
No, we're not. Okay. Like if they win there, that's what that's what we're talking about. I think so. You're if not. Alabama loses. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alabama loses. Cincinnati's in a hundred percent. But if Alabama wins and the SEC takes two spots, I could definitely see Oklahoma State. Like even when you were talking about like, can we just have a normal weekend? You were ranking Oklahoma State ahead of Cincinnati, so it's almost assumed that Oklahoma State's going to jump Cincinnati. So. I think they they need Georgia to beat Alabama to 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 get to solidify that spot. I think. Man, if Cincinnati loses this game and Fickle doesn't get the Notre Dame job in a span of a week, is, oof, oof, man, that that could be rough. Oof. Um, but keeping it moving, going to and this was also a home another home game. Cincinnati's hosting that one. Oh, are uh, they? Why? Yeah. Is that how they do it in the AAC? It seems like these smaller conferences, yeah, maybe they just question their ability to to fill a neutral site. So it seems like a lot of the smaller conference, the Sun Belt, um, the Mountain West. um, I don't know where the MAC game. That one's in Detroit. That one's in Ford Field. So I feel Mm. like that one's always been at Ford Field. Well, I feel like they do the bowl game, right? Don't they have a bowl MAC bowl game where it's just like a Sun Belt and a MAC team? What is that called? It's one of the first bowl games, and I always watch it. Oh, man. Is it the Ford Motor City Bowl? It's probably called something like that. I'm sure it's You know what I'm talking about? It's on during the day always on like a Thursday. Without a doubt. Southern Miss has played in it 19 times. (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like those games at Ford Field, they just have like a certain look to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll I'll try to I'll try to find that one, but um, keeping it moving, uh, another indoor game um, in Indianapolis, we got Michigan and Iowa, not who anyone expected to be in the Big Ten championship a week ago from either side. Honestly, we were thinking this is Ohio State, Wisconsin, about seven days ago, and um, Michigan's an eleven and a half point favorite in this one. I think Michigan is the better team, but Iowa just feels like one of those sneaky teams that's not going to get beat handedly. And Cade McNamara is taking care of the ball really well this year, but we know about this Iowa defense. If they can force some turnovers, like they can beat anybody. So I think um, I think Iowa keeps this thing close. So I'm going to take Iowa against the spread, but uh, I think Michigan's going to win this. You ready for chaos? Are you ready for chaos, Macarine? You taking the Hawkeyes? I'm taking the Hawkeyes here, sir. Get, they've wow. won four straight. Four straight. They got... Remember, they were number two in the nation. And they got David Beld. They, we, it, David Bell did this to a couple teams. It's what he does. David Bell over there at Purdue. Um, guess what? They lost... In their losses, 14 total points in their losses to uh, Wisconsin and Purdue. Guess what? They're coming back here. They come from behind in the fourth quarter, block a punt, do what they need to do. This is going to be a low-scoring game. This is going to be the all-time, like, the Harbaugh just dancing and celebrating and everything's awesome. The good vibes. Michigan's back. And what do you know? Kirk Ferentz, right there, ready to go, ready to end all of that goodwill, ready to just be like, nope, no Big Ten in the title game for you. It's not what we're doing here. Then, do you know what we get? We get Notre Dame with an interim head coach in the college football playoff. That is what I'm going with. I, I think Oklahoma State wins, 
and I think Iowa wins. And I think so. Cincinnati- under your scenario, if if Oklahoma State loses and Michigan loses, who is in your oh. who's in your college football playoff? I'd have to look at everything again. I would have to like do some that's, examining. That's when it comes down to I think. I'd have to so think I'm that. just fill it in. Georgia, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame has to be in under right. that scenario. So those three have to become in, and then it's you're you're deciding between three teams: two lost Bama, two lost Ohio State, oh. or two lost conference champion Baylor. It's like it has to be Baylor at that point. Yes, I think it has to be Baylor. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to see the Big Twelve champion get in. I've been well, I want to come State in for sure. Time, but um, oh man, that's gonna be wild. This is my upset pick of the weekend. I might gamble on this. I could, I could see it. I just feel like Michigan's better than Iowa, and I feel like they're the same. Like Michigan is what Iowa wants to be, right? Like they actually have an identity mm-hmm. um, offensively. I just don't. I don't think Iowa can score enough to. Well, if the to defense gets them. a couple picks, forces That's a couple true. turnovers. They don't have to. We've I seen could it. see this being a twenty-one to thirteen kind of game. Like I think That's I don't know the kind of game Iowa wins though. If this is like 38-13, <laughs> then Michigan That's wins. Fair. Michigan could win these kind of games too, though. I don't want to play anywhere near that kind of playing style against Iowa. No thanks. That's fair. That's so, my upset um, pick of the weekend. Go Hawkeyes. Wow. Sorry, Max. Uh, Hawkeyes. Lock them in. And so after doing a little research um, about the the bowl game played in Ford Field, mm. um, that would be the Quick Lane Bowl. Oh, there you go. But I know that's not the bowl you're thinking of because that's only been played from 2014 to present. Yeah, that's not what I'm thinking of. That was replacing the Little Caesars bowl. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But that is also not what you're thinking no? of, sir. Because the Little Caesars Bowl <laughs> replaced the motor, the Ford Motor City Bowl. That's what I said originally. Yeah, the Ford Motor 19- City Bowl. Yeah. From 1998 to 2008. So then from 2009 to uh, 2013, it looks like it was the Little Caesars Bowl. But now it is the Quick Lane Bowl. I feel like which... Marshall and Southern Miss played in that bowl game at least 37 times. Bring back the Motor City Bowl. Um, I do see Marshall a couple. A lot of Central Michigan, a lot of Western Dan Michigan. Dan LaFever. Yeah. Ryan Cubitt. Um, Dan LaFever, that's, I bet you he did. That's 27, 2007 <laughs> and 2008. Yeah. I mean, Antonio Brown, uh, yeah. JJ Watt may have been on that, that team. Byron Leftwich in there. Um, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Who Marshall Mar- in 2000, they played Marshall. I happen to know because I had Chad Pennington's rookie card mm-hmm. that he was drafted in 2000. So that would mean 2000. Almost positively um, left, which was the starter in 2000. But yeah, Marshall played in that in 99, 98, 99, and 2000. <laughs> they own that. Marshall you was the Motor City Bowl. And 2009. So you're all over that. I have these weird memories and Byron of that. Byron left, which was the MVP of the game in 2000. So yeah, Pennington was the MVP of the game in 98. So three different MVPs. For, Shout uh, out for to Marshall. them. They run that, run. run that bowl game. Yeah, D'Angelo Williams was MVP <laughs> of the year. Dan Lefever. Okay. Was T.Y. Hilton was a MVP of the 
the little Caesars bowl at that point, <laughs> James Connor too. Not star studded list in the little Caesars <laughs> now quick lane bowl. I like it. Bring it back, man. Tour legends are made. Exactly. Um, and then the last, uh, conference championship of the weekend, the ACC championship does not feature the Clemson Tigers, uh, for the first time since, Oh, I should have had that stat lined up and ready to go but probably like 2012 or something i was gonna right? say it's been almost 10 years it has to be wait 2014 i know 2014 that's definitely the answer because it's florida state 15 and on they've been in the playoffs so 2014 it was uh florida state and uh georgia tech that year yeah so that would have been the last one 2014 um so wake forest in pittsburgh wake forest is a three point no wake forest three point dog i was gonna say so there's pittsburgh no way favored is, here th- pittsburgh is favored uh, this Kenny Pickett led offense. Honestly, both of these offense over under seventy one oh. on this game. Oh. Yeah, the highest one of the weekend, um, seventy one and a half. Um, so I feel like there's gonna be a lot of points scored in this game. Um, I don't know. I'm going back and forth, but ultimately, I just feel like I feel like Pittsburgh is trending in the right direction. Wake Forest is two and two in their last four down the stretch. Um, and we talked about it too. That was their toughest, like four game stretch of the year. Pittsburgh seems to be playing like their best football at the right time. So, um, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Panthers to, to win and cover. I'm also taking the Panthers to win and cover. Uh, this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be great. Wake's defense stinks. Pitts isn't great, but I think that's the difference here. Can he pick it also putting up just a bonkers 19th year uh, in college? So shout out to him. Um, but yeah. This is uh, this is going to be good. I think it's going to be a fun shootout, but it's unfortunate there are no stakes involved in this one. I don't think either have a have a prayer in uh, making the playoff. Uh, no, not at all. And um, do you think Pittsburgh at one loss would have a shot? Yes. That that loss to was it Western Michigan mm-hmm. early on? Like that's just same with Baylor's loss to TCU. I feel like those are the two. I wish I could change those results right now. It would make this conference championship weekend that much more interesting. Um, but yeah, so you're taking you're taking the Panthers as well. I will lock I it in. And we also have a bonus game. We're not doing this. I, 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 I USC Cal <laughs> four and seven, four and seven. Not even playing for a bowl game. Like, why are you doing this? Why are we? Why are we playing a game right now? Is this at Cal? It is at Cal. There are going to be four students there total. They've yeah. already moved on. They, they, they've moved on. And also, like, finals are this week. I, they're gone. Like, this game, I cannot wait to see the attendance for this one. There's no one. They're both not going bowling. No. No, no, no. Hard pass on all of this. We'll not watch one second. The fans will be invigorated at the Lincoln-Riley, uh, you know, signing that they'll, they'll make the trip up to, up to Berkeley. I don't think so. <laughs> I drive is that? It's probably like an eight-hour drive or something, huh? It might be more than that. It's California goes a long way, man. Let me okay. now. I'm curious, Berkeley, because I I wanted to do the coast drive at some point, especially the sports renaissance woman. She's talked about that a lot. Uh, Spaler, let's see. Oh, it's only six hours. It's not bad. Only six hours. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be worse than that. Um, That's not even like point to point either like border to border either yeah looks like if you go yeah yeah it's a big never never been out to california way 
Oh, I love California. Need to get out to California. It's a good, it's a good spot. It's a good spot. Um, you seem like a California guy too. I could actually see you being all right in California. You think so? Yeah, you have some California vibes. Certain <laughs> certain things <laughs> are illegal in California for you. Certain things are. I'll take your word for it. I I had a great time in Las Vegas. Been to Las Vegas a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Never so. been to Vegas. See, that's where we differ. Never been to Vegas. Um, would like yeah, to go good. there at some point. Would like to go. Uh, Matt Green, that is all I've got. Kind of a long one for this one. We had a lot to hit, though. A lot to hit, for sure. It's a conference championship weekend, man. It's a final Saturday of the season. It's uh, it's sad. It is sad. But then we get bowl season. I love doing my bowl sheets with the fam. Uh, So I'm excited to do that. Get all of our picks in. Um, That'll be fun. I, I love bowl season. Even with the college football playoff, trying to remove that from my life um i'm still going to enjoy that so my yeah. mom's always a big bowl person who is i think my mom interesting okay. i think she just likes i think my, she likes to like passively consume sports mm-hmm. so it's like bowl bowl games just like for like a month straight you can just like have those on on the tv yes they're great background reading noise. a book yeah. and and watching the the, the hawaii bowl the quick and loans <laughs> bowl or what i whatever san diego san diego credit union.com bowl or whatever they call them these days absolutely absolutely shout out to mrs green made her first appearance in the pot yes sir yeah. i think i've mentioned my mom before I don't think so on, on the pod a lot of tori we'll go to tori for this one she definitely remembers she'll be like in on september 19th <laughs> she's been she's been mentioned six times in the, the previous 34 episodes um maybe who knows there you go. Tori, get to work. No, just kidding. Uh, Matt Green, always a pleasure. I appreciate it, sir. And I will talk to you in a couple days. Yes, sir. Or not, depending on how this game goes on Saturday. Then we'll just, uh, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll check in. Hey, even if it doesn't go well for the dogs, we'll, uh, the show must go on. I'll get some sound sound clips, just uh, some ominous music. I'll put some ASMR on for for the sunday pot if that's that's the case um and i'll be done with the semester so i will be stress-free um but i have to get there very close very close matt green talk to you soon yep nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah